Welcome back in. This is the episode whatever of the Card Chronicle podcast. I say whatever because I literally forgot what episode we're on. I think it's 15, could be 14, might be 25. No idea, but it's Mike Rutherford, Danny Sennard here with you again. Talking football basketball. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Georgia Tech game. We're going to talk a little bit about the ACC. It's been an interesting night in the conference already. And then we got some questions from you guys on Twitter that we're going to get into. But first and foremost, Dan, how are you? Are you still hungover from the weekend? People are a little bit worried about your drinking. Yeah, I, I noticed the uh, the Twitter banter out there of people worried about um, the recovery I was having. But no, I feel great. Um, college basketball, I feel like, is in full swing. We're like getting into almost, I call it Nance season, where you know we got college basketball. Nance starts to call some of the the big games towards the end of the year to kind of prep himself for the NCAA tournament. And then after the NCAA tournament, he just moves right to the Masters flawlessly. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing Nance, a lot more Greg Gumbel, a little Clark Kellogg. Not looking forward to seeing Seth Davis since um, I'm still blocked by him on Twitter. Um, for, for those that don't know, like about eight years ago on Twitter, Seth Davis tweeted out, I forgot which coach got fired for Illinois, but the job opened up and he said, Illinois is a top 10 job in the country. It's not. And, and I literally was like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then he blocked <laughs> me and I'm still blocked and I'm still pissed about it. So on the 0.005 chance Seth Davis is listening to this, I think the grudge is over. You can unblock me now. Well, I'll back you up with a, a follow-up Seth Davis story. This is my – so when Greer was going to The Athletic and when he was finding it out, like, he sent me – I don't even know what it was. It was a screenshot of, like, a group text because Seth Davis runs the college basketball side of The Athletic. And when Jeff found out that he got the job and this was going to happen, I think the exact wording of Seth's uh, text was, so glad to have you aboard this ship. This is a rocket ship ready to explode. <laughs> and I was like – the one thing that you don't want rocket ships to do is explode. Like the, the, the wording was very, very poor. And I'll, it's all I could think of the entire time. Like Jeff was like, I'll be in half. I was supposed to be a congratulatory friend. And I was like, dude, like, <laughs> let's talk about the wording of this text. But that was Seth Davis. Uh, you're definitely going to see a whole lot more of him. You're right. It, this is Nance season. He's geared up. He's, he's wearing all of his own uh, Vineyard Vines line of clothes. He, he's whisper talking a bunch. He's getting his, those pipes ready to go. But before we get to Nance season, we're still in the heart of Big Monday slash ESPN season slash Jay Billis season slash all these guys season. And the biggest game so far this week was Monday night, Florida State and Duke, two teams that Louisville very familiar with, uh, obviously beat Duke at Cameron Indoor, lost to Florida State at home. They're playing for, it was sort of like a number one contender match. Uh, whoever won was going to be a game behind Louisville. Whoever lost was going to find fall two games behind the pace and be kind of on the outside looking at this ACC title race. Duke wins. It's a back and forth game. You know, Matthew Hurt throws 15 elbows at the end of the game, heroically falls to the ground and gets a, a, a foul call, and that pretty much seals it. Duke now a game behind Louisville, Florida State two games behind Louisville. <clears throat> Excuse me. Louisville still has to go down to Tallahassee and play FSU. And I thought this was an interesting conversation because people were talking about who do we want to win this thing? A couple of people asked me that. And it's hard to answer questions like that because in college basketball, you know, one night, blows everything the hell up and all of a sudden what you thought you wanted to happen is no longer what you need to happen and my like like my general thought going into that game was let's have Florida State win because Duke we found out on Sunday or Saturday 
is ahead of us in the NCAA tournament selection committee seed line right now. Like they're two spots ahead of us. We need to jump them so we can be the top two seed and then be that next team that's right there waiting for the one seed. Um, but a lot of people were saying, look, we have the tiebreaker over Duke. If it, if we drop a game at some point between now and the end of the season and we both went out, we tie for the regular season title. We get the number one seed in the ACC tournament, all that good stuff. And so I guess the question I have for you is, like, which are you more focused on right now when you're watching games? Are, are you more focused on what's the best benefit for Louisville's NCAA tournament seeding? Or are you looking at what's the best thing that hap- can happen for Louisville to win the ACC regular season title? I would say the ACC title only because, and I, I hope that's the way that the, the players are thinking as well, because that's, that's more of like a take it one game at a time mindset. I just like the the second I feel like I start to look ahead for like, oh, are we going to get a one seed? You know, that's when like I feel like something dumb happens and we slip up and lose like a shitty team. So, I mean, if if we do what we need to do in conference, the seed will take care of itself in the long term. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, if you're asking me like long term, like during that Duke Florida State game. Yeah, it was in the back of my mind, like, okay, if Duke wins this, you know, that that it kind of keeps them in the driver's seat as far as being a, a a better seed than us. But there's still so much college basketball to play. Um, you know, a lot of these teams are going to meet in conference tournaments, so we'll just see how it all shakes out in the end. But all I know is I really like where our team's at right now. Yeah, I think it was like when I was watching the game, I wanted Duke to take the loss because it, it seemed like the committee was saying they're not putting as much of an emphasis on not having bad losses as I was hoping they were going to because Louisville's resume, when you really look at it, they've only got one like win that shines. It's the win over Duke and Cameron Indoor. I think that right now they are four and three in quad one games. I believe that's the most recent update. I know there's one game. It may be the Virginia game that's kind of hanging between that quad three, uh, quad two, quad one status. But Louisville, like, they're not going to have as many quality wins as a lot of the teams that they're competing with that are on the one, two, and three seed lines. So what separates them right now from everybody else is just the the overall record being 21 and three in a conference that's still well regarded, having the win over Duke, and then not having any Q2, Q3, or Q4 losses. Like they have taken care of business there. Um, but the committee, I think, if you looked at that 16, the one thing you could take away from Saturday seed reveal was they were really emphasizing overall strength of schedule this year. And Louisville's, I think, their non-conference schedule ended up being the 46th best in the country. So not terrible, but but not where it's been in recent years, certainly not where it was a year ago. So they kind of like, like we're going to need some teams to slip up if we're going to one, stay on the two line and then two have a chance to to get into that one seed line. If San Diego State loses or if Gonzaga loses or, or you know Baylor or Kansas falls apart or something along those lines. But if Duke wins out and we went out and we meet in the you know, if they lose in like the ACC semis and we lose in the ACC semis. It seems right now like they've got the upper hand on us. So that was kind of where my thinking was. Basically, my, I'm saying, I'm thinking big picture with this team right now. We're playing so well. We've won 10 straight games. I would love to win the ACC. I would love to win the ACC tournament. We haven't had a, like a Friday night semifinal conference tournament game since all the way back in 2014. Like we have not, We I don't know if people have really realized this. We haven't played in an ACC semifinal. And th- that was like one of the most fun staples of that run from 09 to 2014 was we were, you know, playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single year besides 2010. Like we won the, t- the big East in 09. Uh, we lost in the first round in 2010, lost in the championship game in 2011, 
won it in 2012, won it in 2013, won the AAC in 2014. We just kind of like, like assumed that weekend of Selection Sunday, we were going to have late night plans on Friday and late night plans on Saturday. And then ever since we've gotten to the ACC, it's been either one and out or you win one game in the second round and losing the quarterfinals. And that's I, I'm excited to get over that. But bigger focus, like I'm, I'm thinking NCAA tournament right now. It, I that's just kind of where my head is. I guess uh, hopefully you're right. Like the team should not be doing this. But for me personally, it's hard not to be thinking big picture right now. Yeah. And one of the reasons like I, I was keeping uh, keeping an eye on that uh, Duke Florida State game with Florida State losing, that gives them three conference losses. I think the next closest is Virginia at five. Mm-hmm. I really think clearly that us Duke and Florida State are the three best teams. So as much as like you know, having Florida State lose games like would would be okay as far as like them kind of slipping in the overall seating, I really don't want them to fall to the four line. Um, I would I would per- preferably play. Vir- I would rather play Virginia in sure. the ACC tournament. And like like you said, those years of like making the Big East runs of the finals. That's like those are like the glory years. Like my God, those games. Like, even, like, the Thursday night, like, it seemed like Notre Dame games were just incredibly fun. And then, I mean, that, that Syracuse final to close out the Big East was just an all-timer. That was as fun of a game as I've ever watched. Um, and, God, that second half was one of the more fun halves that I think we've ever seen UofL basketball have. But, yeah, I'm, like, so sick of getting bounced in the ACC tournament. And, I just want to experience like give me like a Friday night game. That's like yeah. all. I, give me to give me to Friday night like where you know I, I can just enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it's one I of mean those, obviously, like, go it's ahead. one of those under the radar things that I think when people think about the last five years or so and what we've missed out on and how things have been different, we think about you know not playing deep into the NCAA tournament, having to deal with the probation, we deal with the postseason ban. One of the things that's gotten kind of lost in the shuffle was how fun all of those conference tournament runs were. And I'm with you. Like, I, I when we've lost on Thursday or I guess Wednesday one year, like, having to watch all those games on Friday, having to watch all those games on Saturday, having to get ready for the bracket on Sunday without seeing Louisville play a single game has just been just been brutal. And, and I'm like you, I'm ready to get back to it. I think that like, it would be because I'm with you. Like, I, I, I would prefer Florida State to stay at the three line so we get that Duke. Because I think that's also best case for the conference. Like you want, if you're looking at the ACC tournament right now, Louisville, Virginia would be a compelling semifinal because Virginia, you know, Louisville have this history. Virginia's the reigning national champion, all that good stuff. But then Duke and Florida State are clearly the other two best teams. You want to guarantee that you get a championship of, of two of those three teams that have been carrying the conference the entire year. So here's hoping that happens. If the tournament started right now, and, and full disclosure, we're recording this here Tuesday night. Um, Notre Dame and Virginia, as I'm talking, are going down to the final seconds of regulation in a tie game. But if the tournament started tonight, Louisville would obviously be the number one seed. They would play the winner of the 8-9 game, which right now would be Pittsburgh versus Boston College. I think we'd be probably okay with that, even though both those teams gave us decent games. Um, And then it would be in the semifinals. Virginia right now would be the four seed. NC State, which got a big win over Syracuse tonight, would be the five seed. I think you'd feel pretty good about those. And then either Duke or Florida State in the uh, the championship game, If again, if seeds held right now. But it's, it's fun to be talking about this again because hey, the last couple of years we've been like seven seed, you know, out of the tournament. Like just it hasn't been fun to, to break down the ACC tournament bracketology, but we're back. It's feeling yeah. good. Yeah, 
No, hundred percent. And like the fact that like we've been losing day games, it seems like in the ACC tournament yeah. like, makes it like thirty times worse. I'm like, can we get a fucking night game for the love of God? Like, oh uh, God, just get me to Friday night. Like, we we just got to get there. And I, I feel like it'll just take like a huge weight off everyone's shoulders. And hopefully, you know, we play loose and. Um, I'm looking way too far ahead. Like, let's just focus on Georgia Tech tomorrow. I but, know. But, by the um, way, uh, Notre Dame, Virginia going to overtime. It looks they did not get a call. Notre Dame didn't at the end of regulation. And Mike Bray ran out onto the floor with a sweaty white button up untucked. <laughs> he looks like a drunk divorced dad at the bar who just found out that his wife is getting remarried. Like this was a it was a terrible look for him. He's very, very upset. But it's a hilarious look. And quietly, this is a super important game for both these teams because I mean, Notre Dame kind of left for dead a while ago. They've won three in a row and played really well. They get a chance to win this game at Virginia. They get a chance to win uh, at Duke on Saturday. Either one of those would have been huge resume boosters. And now Virginia, because they lost to us, kind of needs to solidify their own resume. So both these teams looking, I mean, they, they both really, really need this one. But Notre Dame quietly could sneak up and be that fifth or sixth team from the conference that gets into the NCAA tournament. But um, moving on real quick, you mentioned Georgia Tech Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. Josh Pastner, I'm not going to make you guess Josh Pastner versus Michael Scott Quartz again. We didn't <laughs> good, yeah. yeah. I, that, was, that was good for one round. I, I, I'm retiring. I thought briefly, I was like, can I look up more? And I was like, no, nah, it's, it's not worth it. We, we don't need to do it again. But since the, since the game against Louisville, like you and I both – speculated I think in our in the podcast after the game that Georgia Tech could be a team and they've got really good players they've got a good roster they could play spoiler for a lot of these teams in the middle of the conference that are trying to make the NCAA tournament and that's kind of happened they beat NC State right after they lost to us they beat Virginia Tech but they've also lost to Notre Dame and they've lost to Pitt both semi-competitive games they lost to Notre Dame by eight they lost to Pitt by nine and uh, I mean I thought Chris Mack in his press conference was kind of telling on Tuesday, talking about they're a good team. They've got good players. They played us really tough, but we're going to find out how much we've improved. Mack, without saying it, kind of said, I thought we played badly against them the first time. We shouldn't have as much trouble with them this go around if we're really the team that I think we are at this point, having won 10 straight and coming off a couple of big victories. I don't know. I mean, it, is that kind of what you're looking for tomorrow night? I know it's in Atlanta. I know that's a little bit different, but would you expect Louisville to handle this team a little bit better than they did in round one? No, I think Chris hit it right on the head. You know, we, the first game was all about them just taking us off the dribble and getting into the lane. And that's disappointing, especially when you look up and see that they're, I think like 340th and three point percentage. Um, so that just can't happen. So I think, if anything, um, them playing us close last time is going to be a good thing for us going into this game because I think it probably got the players' attention. Like, hey, we just can't walk in here and get a victory. So I would be very surprised if they came out tomorrow and laid an egg. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm expecting us to come out, uh, you know, firing all cylinders and hopefully, I mean, the the key to Georgia Tech is their guard. Um, you know, Alvarado and DeVoe definitely can make things happen. And Moses Wright is also a good player. But, you know, I, we're, we're so much deeper than them. If we play our game, I, I think, you know, it should be a, a 10 to 12 point victory at least. It's funny, like when you talk about when you start listing the players, like because Alvarado, you're right, is really good. Michael DeVoe is one of the best three point shooters in the conference. He scored 22 in their last game. 
Um, Moses Wright has been fantastic all year long. James Banks, we know how good he is. He's one of the best defensive big men in the conference. Like Those are four really good players. I think the issue is you got nobody on the team besides that. I know they've had some injuries. They've got the Bubba Parham kid from uh, VMI, who was a grad transfer. He's the guy who, if you remember last year, hit like 13 threes against Kentucky in a game at Rupp Arena. But he hasn't really done that for them this year. And they've got nobody else. There's nobody else on that team besides those four guys. And then I think coaching is an issue, if I can be kind about it. But um, yeah, like that's just it's kind of who they are. But they you can see why they play good teams close is, is what I'm saying, because their guards can control games. Their bigs are really good defenders. And they're both like Banks is a good enough score. I think Moses Wright's a really talented uh, scorer in the post. Like he, he he does a lot of good things for him. He's he's a guy that they've talked about having a lot of potential for the last two years, and then finally realizing it this year. So, and the other thing is most of these guys are coming back next year. And my understanding is Georgia Tech's getting some good players uh, coming in. They should be good next year. And if they're not, I think Josh Pastor's probably going to get fired. And if, if like if you're wondering, talking about the ACC tournament. If it started today, they'd be in it because they're appealing the NCAA decision that banned them from the postseason this year. They're appealing that if the NCAA doesn't get a ruling in by the next, you know, what, four weeks, they're going to play in the conference tournament. So if you're a Georgia Tech fan and you see this team two games under 500 with no shot of going to the NCAA tournament, you're probably like, just go ahead and get this over with. Just go ahead and take it right now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. let's go ahead and hurry this process up. But as of right now, they'll play in the conference tournament. So uh, we'll see what happens. Let, really let me a, ask you. Let me ask you this real quick. This seems like a team that if you get on them early, just uh, the way, and like, this is probably more of a dig on Passner. Like I feel like if this is a team that we kind of get up on early, that we could see them fold like in the second half. Like I feel like one of the reasons that the first game was as close as it was is just early on they were you know driving to the basket and hitting shots and it gave them some confidence, but. I think if we come out early and, and kind of punch them in the mouth, this seems like a team that would probably fold up. Um, but that's just me from the couple times that I've watched them. No, I can see that. I, I think that you're you're probably not wrong. The games where they've played good teams close, I mean, us, they played Kentucky really close uh, for a long time in that game. They've all kind of been that way, that just kind of slog. Whoever they're going up against doesn't really pull away. They come out a little bit sluggish. And I think Max said it, put it the best way. He said their guards can control the game. Like they, they dribble the air out of the ball. They slow things down a little bit, and they hit shots late in the shot clock. Like that's kind of their mo. So we'll see. I, I Ken Palm has his only a six point Louisville win. I think he's got it at seventy one sixty five as the final score. I mean, Tech is not a great offensive team. Like you said, all those numbers are bad. Their three point shooting's bad. But Louisville has been at its worst defensively this year against some of the worst defensive teams it's played. Um, case in point, Virginia right now, uh, who just shot the lights out against us, I think they're five of 18 from three. And Thomas Wolden Tensai, who, you know, was Steph Curry against us, is one of eight from the field. So stuff just seems to happen against us. I don't, I don't know if that's a more of an us thing or a fluky thing, a bad luck thing, but we'll see. But it is a good defensive team. It'll be a good test for this offense, which has been rolling right now. And again, I think if you're, if you're looking at what type of makeup you want to play against the team right now if you're Louisville, I would go more for the teams that lean heavier on their defense just because I think we can score on anybody at this point. If you can put 80 up on Virginia, you should be able to put up 75 or 80 on Georgia Tech, even if they are a good off, a defensive team. And if you're a bad offensive team, like our defense is good enough to hold bad, should be good enough to hold bad offensive teams below their season average. It wasn't the case on Saturday, but I'll still take that gamble moving forward. Um, any parting thoughts here on Georgia Tech? I hate to just totally gloss over this, but 
you know, we've already talked about this team before, uh, both before and after that first game. Anything else really catch your eye here? Yeah, I mean, not much. They're they're 313th in the nation in free throw percentage, so no easy buckets at the rim make them earn it from the line. Like we said, they, they have a hard time shooting threes. So, I mean, I think for us it'll come down to the defensive end because, like you said, I think we can score on anybody. So, you know, I think if we bring uh, you know our defense with us tomorrow night, I feel pretty good about the game. All right, let's go to some uh, some questions here on Twitter. I asked you guys to serve some up. Uh, I said if you didn't, I was just going to read Josh Pastner transcripts from press conferences for 30 minutes. Thankfully, we're not going to do that. Um, we'll start here. Brian Lockard says, to, to keep on the Pastner theme, is Josh Pastner chubby or ripped? I can never tell. I'll let you answer that one. No, 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 no. no. I, that was me serving it over to you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, yeah, he's chubby for sure. Uh, I, I don't think uh, Josh, yeah, he seems like a guy, like when he goes on the road, like he's not, you know, just grabbing like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Like he's going to wine and dine at like the, the, the Jeff Rubies of the world and really get his money's worth probably because he knows he has like about a year left in this. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Chubby more than Ripped. Ah, man, this is honestly tough. Like, I feel like I feel like if you saw Passner without his shirt on, it wouldn't be impressive enough to call him Ripped. But I think he's in good shape. You, you know how people talk about how there are guys that work out that, that, you know, they skip leg day, they only do the upper body? I feel like Passner only does leg day. Like, his, <laughs> his calves are huge. People always talk about that. But I feel like the upper body is not as impressive. I lean – I don't think he's either. I don't think he's chubby or ripped. I think um, he's got, like, that kind of, like, posture to where his stomach sticks out, like, normally. Like, yes. whether he – like, he just kind of has, like, a, a, a little pooch there, like a kangaroo. Um, but, yeah, that's just, uh, I guess, how God made him. But no shame <laughs> in that. He's the, he's the type of guy who – like, it takes a lot of effort to keep himself in shape. But if he got fired from Georgia Tech next year and was out of coaching for a couple of years, I could see him blowing up real big. I, <laughs> I, I could see him being, like, Steve Allen just, uh, <laughs> transitioning to Santa Claus. Like, I, I could see that being the case. Scott Scott Calvin. Scott Calvin, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I could see him being that, like, not full-on Santa, but definitely 35 pounds heavier than he was before then. Yeah, no, that that's... That's a good assessment there. I could see that as well. Um, by the way, I called him Steve Allen. I, was, I combined Scott Calvin and Tim Allen right there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I was like, who the fuck is Steve Allen? But it's better than my my revelation that I found out that I was saying Bologna, oh, Italy. Oh last God! Week. I mean, yeah, Bologna. it's not. It's it's the Card Chronicle podcast, not the Cultured Chronicle podcast. I mean, that's for sure. I did spend 10 days in Italy five years ago. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what the fuck I'm talking about. This I is cannot believe I did. Yeah, I cannot believe I didn't call you out, even though I knew the second I called you out, like, I was like, this is probably, I, like, I was 99% sure that you were wrong, but I was like, whatever, I'll just let him ride this out. But uh, it's good to see that we got some listeners out there that can put, it, put us in our place when we're incorrect. Dude, I so I swear on everything that last year on... I mean, I'll say at least three different radio shows or podcasts or what have you. I was talking about uh, Davide Moretti from Texas Tech. And I said, Bologna, Italy, was how I thought it was pronounced. And I got corrected after one of them by two fans that were Texas Tech fans that said, it's bologna, like the meat. And maybe this was just a, a, a <laughs> like confirmation bias in my head. 
but I was watching a Texas Tech game at some point last year, and they said from Bologna, Italy. So I'm like, oh, th- those guys were right. That's how it's pronounced. Little did I know I was wrong on both. I- I'm 0 for 2. Like, it's not Bologna. <laughs> it's not Bologna. It's apparently Bologna uh, is how what I was informed. So, yeah, this is not the, uh, the, the Card Chronicle Culture podcast. Uh, we're just going to keep fucking up everything. But that's it. It's part of the charm. Yeah, I will not attempt to announce any foreign city the rest of the time on this podcast out of fear, you know, peanut gallery comments coming at me afterwards. Okay, along the same lines of the last question, Jim Rosati uh, at Northside Notch says, "Is there, if there was a movie about Josh Pastner's life, which actor would play him? Oh, God. Probably Emilio Estevez. I can see that. Yeah. The hair, though, that, that's a tough match for him. Emilio's getting up there, too. Like, if this was 90s Emilio, maybe. But Emilio's, like, he's got to be in his 60s, right? Yeah. I mean, I just think of, like, I mean, I, everyone loves Mighty Ducks. But, I mean, Gordon Bombay was, he was pretty corny. And uh, Josh kind of fits that mold a little bit. And then, obviously, when he went to Team USA, he got cocky and, like, you know, changed the hair and stuff. and you know, as Josh got older, the suit started to get a little bit nicer. He grew the hair out. So, yeah, that would be that would be my my guess. Can we? T- are we sure Gordon Bombay was a good coach? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's I'd a have, lot of second guessing that could be done on his moves in D two. I mean, taking, you know, making up you, a. You know who my favorite Mighty Duck is? You're the most big. under the most underrated player. Guy Germain, the guy was ever. He's all over the ice. I was a big um, Jesse Hall guy, and then apparently the ad actor is the Jesse Smollett guy who's faking getting beat up all the time. So that was a hit for me. I've been a Jesse Hall guy all my life. I feel like I can't really rep Jesse anymore. Um, But, I mean, Gordon Bombay gets a job coaching, theoretically, the best youth hockey players in the entire country. And he makes three-fourths of the team his fucking rec squad. Like, maybe get some Hawks out there. The Hawks were pretty good. Maybe take a couple yeah. of those kids over there. And then it takes him the entire Goodwill games to figure out that Julie the Cat Gaffney is better than Goldberg. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen what Goldberg's been up to. This is going to take us down a horrible road. Like, Goldberg, somebody needs to help Goldberg. The real-life guy. He's oh, my God. He looks like Hector Salamanca does in Breaking yeah, Bad. Like, which is... Perfect. Yeah, and like, can we? Does did Greg Popovich, when he coached Team USA, get a nice of a house as Gordon Bombay got for coaching the youth Team USA hockey team? Jesus Christ, that thing was huge. I thought the youth Goodwill Games growing up was the goddamn World Cup. Like, I I thought that this was based on loosely based on a real story. I thought Trinidad and Tobago played hockey. I thought that the coaches of these junior teams were treated like Pat Riley, like. I mean, that's he was the Pat Riley of hockey in that movie was a li- literal thing that actually happened. So um, I, I'm digging deep here. I, I'm probably getting way off base. I wrote my young author story based on like the junior Goodwill team of like D2, except I, it was like Team USA basketball. And I put like all the seventh and eighth graders in our school in the story as the players. <laughs> and it literally won. Like, or I don't even know. It didn't win. I got to go to like the whatever citywide young authors and like judge books at St. Pius. I was like, Oh my God, I don't belong here. But uh, yeah, shout That's out to incredible. team USA. In third grade, I won the entire state for young authors um, with my famous book, Michael or a camel. 
Um, that was the title. I got to go on local news and I held the book upside down and was mortified when I found out what had happened. I, like, oh. we, we taped this. It was on VCR. Like we had, and like, I didn't want to watch it. I was so embarrassed afterward that I couldn't even see it. It was like, one of the worst moments of my entire childhood. Held the book upside down. It was awful. That's great. Awful. Um, all right, getting back to questions. Yeah, it's like here. back to the stories. Um, I did like that the first response to who would play. We never even answered the question about who would play Josh Pastor, but the first response, uh, Malik Williams Stan says Andy Samberg. I like that. I oh yeah, that's, that's a good one for sure. Pretty good. Um, you you got to have the hair down. You got to have the um, like the our boy Jack Harlow. You got to have that kind of hair going. By the way, did you see? First of all, Jack Harlow is going to be on the Tonight Show. With uh, with Jimmy Fallon tomorrow, I guess tonight if you're listening to this on Wednesday. But did you see, he did an interview with Apple Music. They do that genius interview where you break down your lyrics and tell everybody what they really mean and all this stuff. And there's a line in the uh, the, the What's Poppin' the new song that he has out where he talks about hanging out with Louisville players at the club. And he said, like you can watch the video. It's on YouTube now. It's out there. He talked about like they're having a great season. You know, he's real close with uh, with Dwayne Sutton, Stephen Enoch, and Jordan Wara. And the only games they've lost this year, and there haven't been many, he said they're blaming on Jack and his friends because they've been partying too much. And I was like, Jesus. I was like, should we be talking about this publicly? Yeah. I was like, was the team out before the Kentucky game? What's going on here? I was like, I love Jack Carlo, but let's uh, let's, let's save it for mid-April. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not even going to say anything negative about Jack because I think he's awesome. I'm, oh, I love him. I'm, I'm looking forward to to Jimmy Fallon, it's gonna be great. Um, yeah, that anyone that can rep the city like that in a big way, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about. All right, Chris Glime says, if you have to arm wrestle two head basketball coaches from the ACC, who would you have the best and worst chances against? I mean, I would absolutely fucking destroy Bayheim. Um, <laughs> and and like I would have an urge to destroy him too. Um, who would I have a hard time against? Uh, oh man, that's a good question. I would probably say, um, God, I feel like Jeff Capel like has some like DL strength in there. Um, and I'm not strong at all. So I'm sure he would whip my ass. I mean, two obvious choices for me here on who I think I could beat because there aren't many, there may not be any, um, but I'm either going Coach K or Jim Laranega. They're the oldest. They're the weakest. That's who I've got to pick off here. I think I would go with Laranega just because if I lost to Coach K in an arm wrestling contest, I think I'd just have to like jump out the window. Like I, You don't come back from that. That would have to be – I would go with Laranega just because if I lose to him, I could at least take some solace in the fact that it wasn't Coach K. Um, who would definitely be – Mike Bray is, is dad strength personified. Yeah. Oh, yeah, That's, 100%. I mean, he would, he would like roll up his sleeve all the way to his fucking shoulder. He'd be yes. like, you ready, big boy? Yeah. There's nobody under the age of 25 who could beat up Mike Bray. I'm fully convinced of that. Like he would, he will sun anybody in this world who steps to him, who's could be called a kid. Like I fully believe that. So I'm not messing with Mike Bray really in anything, but definitely not in an arm wrestling contest. Um, let's see here. Jay Gravett says, I, I like this question. Actually, he says, would you take the one seed in the Indianapolis region knowing that teams like Michigan State or Kentucky could be out there, or would you rather take the two seed out west with San Diego State or Gonzaga as the one? Uh, two seed out west, 100%. Uh, 
um, for a couple of reasons. One, we've had good history out West and two, I just, I would prefer to play San Diego state and Gonzaga versus those teams. I just think, um, from like a mental standpoint, I feel like we'd be in a better place facing those teams than we were, we would be, you know, especially Kentucky, but Michigan state as well. Here's the only thing I'll say is people keep lumping San Diego state and Gonzaga in together. It's like they're one hybrid team. I think there's a pretty stark difference between the two. Like, if you're giving me this this hypothetical, I 100% take it if it's San Diego State as the number one in the West and we're the two. I don't know if I, I – I think Gonzaga is way better than San Diego State is what I'm trying to say. Like, they – I think they've got NBA guys. They've got a lot of, like, really, really good college players. They're obviously really well coached. They've kind of gotten over the stigma of being March chokers, even though everybody likes to talk about the fact that, well, they lose every year in the whatever. No, they don't. Like, they haven't lost a first-round game in 20 years. or, or whatever. Like, since they started this run, they do not lose in the first round. And they've overplayed their seed, I think, in 17 of the 20 years that they've had in the NCAA tournament. So they do pretty well. They just haven't won a national title yet. I'd be fine with staying away from Gonzaga. Like the thing is, if you're if if we were the number one in the uh, in the Midwest or the uh, Indianapolis region, I don't know if there'd be anybody below us that would really scare me. Like if if Duke was our two, I'm I'm okay with that. If um if Kentucky was our well, I don't want them to be our four. Like they're, they're a dangerous team in that four or five. I, I would I'm not, I'm okay with playing Kentucky in the tournament. I would not if in the Sweet Sixteen if we're a one and they're a four or a five. But I don't know. I mean, it's just it, it's a weird year. There's nobody out there just kind of looming that I'm like, well, we got to stay away from them. Like, even if we did get Gonzaga out west, I'd pr- I'd, I would be okay with it. Um, I, not as okay as I would be with SDSU, but that's just me. So the way that I'll answer this question, because I'm just dancing all around it, is if the one in the west is San Diego State, I'd rather be the two. If it's Gonzaga, I'll take the one in the Midwest or the south or the east or wherever and take my chances with whoever else we, we have in our region. So that's just kind of that's where I am. Let's see. I'm trying to find the next good questions um christopher co says he can't wait to hear how dumpster dan expresses his familiarity with josh pastner people love your abbreviations people love the first name uh, basis and the uh the the shortening of names no and like i feel like that so it's like like kind of a thing in our family like we have like like my dad's name's bob my mom's name is kim i'm dan even though my brother's colin we a lot of people call him call um do they i've never heard that that's just like relatives i know you haven't but a lot of relatives do he's big c yeah he is big c um so yeah i've just always been a one syllable guy my son's name is cam i'm married to a kim my daughter's name is lila but um yeah that's where i'm a one syllable guy i don't know what to say it's just been it's just been me my whole life call you ron (laughs) instead of mike so um well those are both one syllable so God damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, my guy, CardsFan922. Are you ready for some rapid fire? I'm gonna th- he's throwing two teams at us. Which one would we rather play out of this group? Okay? Uh, Baylor or Kansas? Uh, gosh, that's hard. Uh, I'll say Kansas. Really? You'd rather yeah. play Kansas? I, Baylor, if- Baylor's, like, athletic. They're, like, like, they're so athletic, and they got – you know, really good guards. And I mean, I know Kansas is too, but I think we match up well with Azubuki down low. I just, I don't know. I'll say Baylor. Again, I'm going with the team that, well, you just change your answers. Sorry, sorry. I'm, yeah, my bad. I meant Kansas. Okay. Uh, 
again, I'll go with the team that struggles with scoring. Like, I, I think that we can score on anybody. I know Baylor's really good defensively. I take my chances. We kind of just answered this next one, but Gonzaga or San Diego State? Who would you rather play? San Diego State. Same, hundred percent. Not close. Um, LSU or Auburn? LSU. LSU. Um, they're kind of free falling. I don't know if they ended up winning tonight. They were losing to Missouri all night. Yeah, uh, I saw that. But they have really been struggling. I don't think Auburn's that good either, though. I, do, you I, think, I, do you think Rick like is over in Greece and just like? stares into abyss at the fact that will wade is still fucking coaching he's like how the fuck did this happen it's unbelievable (laughs) this guy could get caught on tape multiple times talking about like openly talking about paying players and actually saying the words here let me close the door so we can talk about this like it's (laughs) it's the thing is like it's funny to me but the the handful of people that i know that are actual coaches right now at the d1 level are like with like all furious like they're all like this isn't fair like this is just ridiculous it's making a mockery of our profession and i do kind of feel bad for them when it's put in those terms but for me just being an outsider and watching college basketball it's 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 hilarious i mean the the guy didn't get to coach in the ncaa tournament last year nothing has changed all these stories are still out there all these wiretaps are still out there and he's going to get to coach in the ncaa tournament this year it's fucking incredible i I, uh, I can't even believe like there's recruits that are committing like it's boggling my they mind they got a five-star like, recruit this year they got i know a, i'm like ha- i'm literally like how is this like how is this happening like are the parents just like oh yeah well all right we're gonna send them there all right sign the paper son the thing is and i i don't know how much i can say but like so two years ago i just kind of like just the, the nuts and the bolts when there was talk, like when this stuff was kind of, I guess it was more like three years ago, when there was talk about teams potentially getting caught up in some stuff and, and this stuff going down, like the name that everybody brought up was LSU. Like apparently they were so just blatant about everything. And come to find out, they're the only ones that have a coach on a wire being like, we made him a strong ass offer. Like, and fuck this kid, I've paid kids more money than him to get him to go to school here. Like just <laughs> openly saying all this stuff that you're not allowed to talk about and still somehow just, just coaching for a full year. After that all came out, but uh, before we wrap up here, the uh, the, the the rest of who are the Cardfan I twenty two who says who are the two best Big Ten teams, um, and which one would you rather play between those two? So we'll say, I guess Maryland, uh, which played pretty bad tonight, but still beat Nebraska, and then I mean shit, Penn State. Penn, I guess would be the right. second best Big Ten team. I'm gonna. I know Maryland is super <laughs> talented, and they're probably gonna get. I don't know. Penn State could actually get a higher seed than them the way they're playing right now. Um, the uh, I I can I trust Mark Turgeon like the amount like I can throw him across the room. Like I think he's an absolutely horrible coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so like two best teams are right, I'll say Maryland and Penn State. Two teams I don't want to play in the NCAA tournament. I'll say Penn State and Michigan State. Yeah, I. Maryland does kind of scare me a little. I think Jalen Smith's really good. And I think he's one of the few guys in college basketball that's really hard for, for anybody else to come up with a match. Like, he's really versatile. He's, uh, I mean, just huge. He looks like Aiden Gahan, um, but just slightly bigger right now. He's real, real tough. That would be a, a tough matchup for us. But, hey, if anybody's going to do it, it might be a team with two centers like we have. Uh, last one, Dayton or Seton Hall? Dayton. Um... I think so, too. And I think they're really good. Yeah, I do too. But, you know, I, Seton Hall is, they're tough as nails. And, like, they're more than just Miles Powell. Like, they got a really talented roster. And 
I mean, we know Willard can coach, and um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. See, like I think I, I do think Dayton's really good. Like I, all of these teams, I'm not saying like none of them can beat us or anything. Like both these teams could definitely beat us, but like Miles Powell in the tournament. I'm fully expecting him to go for 40 in one of these games and just will them to victory. And you're right. Like, they're not just him. Um, I think, like, Miles Kale's really good. Quincy McKnight's been really good. The um, Romero Gill, the big man that they have, is, uh, like, the best. He's going to win Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He's the best shot blocker in the country or one of the best shot blockers in the country. Like, they're good. They're more complete than they have been in recent years. But I, I'm with you. Like, I, I'd rather play Dayton than Seton Hall. And, no offense to the many, many Flyer fans listening. You're, you're very good. Obi Toppin's tremendous. Jalen Crutcher's really good. But it's a tough call. Both those teams it's are more, really it's, For me, it's more of a, like, I know, like, Willard can coach. And I'm not saying Anthony Grant can't, but I would trust the cards and Mac versus Grant maybe a little more than I were, would versus Willard, considering that Mac used to be in um, the same conference as him as well. So he might kind of know some of the shit that we run as well. I'm with you. No, 100%. Um, Gil Boldberg, uh, shout out to Goldberg. We love him. Um, says, why did Rick Pitino not want to play in the Maui Invitational? Also, is there any chance that Louisville renews the series with Memphis, or will that have to wait until the series with WKU is over? Um, first question, Rick Pitino hated the travel for the Maui Invitational, and I think when like, – we're, we're in a weird place with the Maui. I don't know if there's been any back and forth since, but we pulled out of the Maui Invitational at the very last second in – I think it was the the national championship season 2012-13 in favor of playing in the battle for Atlantis. And a lot of teams are, especially on the East Coast, that I mean, that's a hellish travel to get all the way to the island. Like it's a it's a long, long time. And a lot of teams come back and they're just completely hung over from the entire experience. So you're seeing more uh, West Coast teams go to the Maui Invitational and more East Coast teams do the battle for Atlantis. Because that's I mean, you, we've been both been to the Bahamas. That's like a pretty quick five-hour plane ride, if I remember correctly. It's not a bad day of travel. That was the whole reason. Like, Rick didn't want to deal with the travel, um, so he pulled out. We went to the Battle for Atlantis a couple of times, and I think that that was going to be, be sort of the norm. And then, of course, Patino gets fired. And my understanding is there are people at UofL who'd like to get back to the Maui. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Uh, we'll see. I'd like to just because it's a fun thing to watch, but I can understand why you wouldn't want to do it. Um, as far as scheduling Memphis, Chris Mack got asked about this. I think it was it wasn't Memphis in particular, but somebody asked questions about like Memphis, Cincinnati, or Indiana renewing those rivalries, and he basically was like, "Look, with the twenty game conference schedule, we only have three or four games that we can that we get to schedule ourselves in the non conference. We want to play in a tournament. Those exempt tournaments make you play three satellite games against teams that the NCAA picks. We've got Kentucky every year on the schedule. We've got the Big Ten ACC game on the schedule every year." That doesn't leave us with a whole lot of wiggle room. So like, he kind of made it sound like we're not going to get those rivalry games back. So I, I think that's kind of that. Are, do you fall into the camp of would you rather like would you like to play Cincinnati and or Memphis every single year? Or are you fine with those rivalries being dead? No, I I would love to play them. Those were like such fun games. And like any any rivalry where like the fans get juiced up, like I'm all for like, God, when those Cincinnati teams that used to come into Freedom Hall in the 90s, like, I'll never forget, like, the Kenyon Martin, DeMar Johnson team. That was literally one of the best teams. That was the year Kenyon Martin broke his leg and, uh-huh. you know, whatever. But probably the best team I ever some call, or saw come through Freedom Hall. They were unfucking believable So, 
um, yeah, I kind of for nostalgia purposes, I, I, I like to play those games. Um, but you know, I guess it is what it is. I sort of like doing the, the snotty, we don't need to play you anymore type deal because <laughs> For being a fan that was in that position for a while, like when we were in Conference USA and growing up in the Metro Conference days and all that stuff, I know how badly it pisses you off. And the fact that Memphis and Cincinnati fans are, are pissed off that we won't play them and we don't really need to play them because we're in a conference that's 50 times better than theirs makes me really happy. I also love that our lasting image of the Cincinnati rivalry is, one, Teddy Bridgewater going into full-on God mode and saving us at Nippert Stadium and bringing the keg of nails back home forever – and then in basketball, Russ Smith hitting a buzzer beater on their home floor. Like those are the last two times that we played them in the in the two major sports. I'm fine with those being the last time we play them forever. Like fuck them. Like I like, like I I don't care about Cincinnati. They annoy me. Um, I'm fine if those are the lasting two images of this, this rivalry forever. But if we did play them, yeah, I, I definitely would be juiced up for it. Um, yeah, and I miss the keg and nails. Well, we have it. It's ours. We can go visit it whenever we want. It's yeah, that's it's, true. It's on display. It's 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 gorgeous. Steve Ferris says, what do you see as the most troublesome flaw this team possesses that could bite it at tournament time? Does anything jump out for you? Oh, man. Um, I, maybe a, a cold shooting night. And I know we're balanced and we can score other ways. But, I mean, Jordan and Ryan are just shooting the absolute lights out. I get a little nervous, like, especially in the NCAA tournament, like, you play in, like, some of those bigger arenas. Like, we played in, like, Lucas Oil and get all, like, fucked up from, like, you know, how big the arena is that we're playing in and the shooting can kind of fuck you up. Um, I would say that makes me nervous. But honestly, um, I mean, we're, we're clicking as about as well as we could. So I don't see a huge flaw right now. Got to make shots. I don't know if you heard that. It's a it's a big part of the game. Um, I, turnovers jump out initially. Here's what I would say though is my real answer: lack of tournament experience. Um, and we talked about this on a previous pod. We don't have anybody on this team that's played into the second week of the NCAA tournament. Like we've have <clears throat> a couple of guys that played small roles on the team back in 2017 that, uh, that that beat Jacksonville State and then lost to Michigan. But there's really nobody on this team that knows what it's like to play deep into the NCAA tournament. That's experienced, you know, what it takes to win multiple games over multiple weeks in March. And that's, like, I'm not saying you can't win a national title if you don't have that DNA, but it certainly helps if you've been there before. I mean, think about how many times we talked about the 2012 run to the Final Four setting the stage for the national championship run. Maybe that team in 2013. Uh, like maybe we go and we win it all, even if Louisville had lost the year before in our first game to uh, we played Davidson, I, I think in the first round that year. Yeah, like maybe, but maybe not. Like like all, everybody on that team pointed that experience the year before as being a big part of the reason why they were on a mission for the entire season. So that'd be my answer: just the the lack of overall experience with March success. It's something we haven't we kind of just have avoided uh, really for most of the year because we haven't been focused on it. Um, Let's see. Uh, David Schultz says every great Louisville team has had an identity to the way they play. Something that you always think about when you talk about them. Is this team good enough to have an identity? And what would you say that is? Hmm. That's a, th- this is tricky because like we can beat you in so many different ways. Like we've won with defense. We've won, you know, um, with uh, three point shooting. We can, you know, 
uh, yeah, it, it's just, I would say if we had an identity, I mean, we're a really good three point shooting team. I'd say that would be like our strength. I don't know if it's our identity because we don't shoot a whole lot. Um, you know, that's a tough question to answer, to be honest. No, I think you're right. Like I was going to say the exact same thing. I think this team's three point shooting could be what carries it to like, like what we were, if they win a national title, I think that's what we're going to remember this squad by. It's, it's funny because when you think about that Oh five final four team with, yeah, Garcia and Dean and O'Bannon and you know, Palacios and, and all those guys. Like, we think about them being run and gun, bunch of three-point shooters. Like, we didn't have a true point guard on that team. This team, th- this year's team, shoots the ball from the outside better than that team did. Like, we've made more. We've shot more. We're shooting at a better percentage. Like, this is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the history of Louisville basketball. And if they win six games in three weeks, I think it's probably safe to assume that the three-point shot's going to play a huge role. Um, but, like... Also, what was the identity of the 2013 team, if you had to think about it? I guess, like, the brotherhood deal um, after Kevin Ware kind of became the thing. But I mean, we were, I, it, we, that team with Peyton and Russ, I mean, we would pressure the ball up and down the court. Yeah, that's probably um, it. And, and turn you over. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of, like, every time we play someone, they'd be worried about in the second half, like, maybe losing their legs just because we, we kind of leaned on them so much in the first half. That's probably fair. Um, let's see. Do you think this is from um, Ethy U of L? Do you think this is the most balanced men's basketball team that we have had since you've been watching? Following, um, it's up there. It has to be. I mean, that again to bring it back to the national title team. That one feels like the most balanced because, like Russ was the leading scorer, but he wasn't putting up the same type of massive numbers that he did in his senior season. Uh, um, he kind of was playing that Jordan Wara role where he could go off for 25 or 30 or 35 on a given night, but you could still beat really good teams without him doing that. I mean, Peyton would have big scoring nights. Uh, Gorgie would have big scoring nights. Shane Bahannon was the MVP of the West region. So it wasn't like that team was really balanced too, but this one, it's definitely up there. It's got to be up there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I think as soon as uh, Dave started to play a bigger role on this team, that's when like the balance became almost perfect because he was like the one piece that we we're missing. We weren't that great of a passing team. Um, you know, we weren't great as far as our guards being able to take uh, people off the dribble and, and get to the bucket. And he's brought both of those elements. And I already think, you know, we have big guys that can score. We have outside shooting. Um, so yeah, I think he was kind of the missing piece, but I would agree with you. I mean, 2013, you know, we, we, we could get it from anywhere um, on a given night. And I, the good thing about this team is I think it's kind of built the same way. Taylor Creep out. And I only bring this up because you just uh, mentioned Dave in passing there. He says, not a question, but I think we need to exclusively call him Dave Johnson from now on. <laughs> I would fucking love that. That would be I, fantastic. See, I, I disagree though. I, Dave, I'm okay with DJ. I'm fine with David Johnson. I'm fine with Deej. Cool. Dave Johnson sounds like a car salesman. Like I, we, we, you can't call him by his full name if you're going to go with Dave. Like you got to, it has to be just, it has to be like a one name deal, like Shakira or Seal. He's just Dave. He can't be Dave Johnson. I love Dave. I mean, I like you know Dave and Buster's. Well, yeah, again, but it can't be Dave Johnson. Um, all right, fine. I mean, I'm not going to stop saying it, but you know, no, it's good that there's other people. Me. Yeah, at least there's people out there that are clamoring for it as well. So. See, you're not hearing me. I'm saying I'm fine with Dave. 
but you can't refer to him as Dave Johnson. Oh, so just don't include the last name. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. I'll just call him Dave. A lot of people want us to talk about the end of this Virginia-Notre Dame game, which just happened. I'm reading these in real time. Apparently, uh, Virginia wins, by the way. They combined to score five points in overtime. Virginia scored three. Notre Dame scored two. Virginia wins 50-49. to 49. Uh, Shout out to the Cavaliers. They are now solidly in fourth place in the ACC. Um, all the time. That's all the time for questions. There were a few out there that we didn't get to. I, I promise I'm going to get to them by the end of the week, but we, we're running long already. And we got to get to our Dan of the Dump story of the week. Everybody, I'm surprised at how many people really enjoy Dan of the Dumps. I was worried that it wasn't hitting well, but people are excited about the Dan of the Dump story. So, Dan, what's your uh, Dumpster Dan story of the week? So, I saw that on Twitter this week that you posted, um, it's been 20 years, uh, and the night was we beat Syracuse when Syracuse was number four. I remember that game. It was incredible. And that same night, the Cincinnati Reds traded for Ken Griffey Jr. Um, and for people that don't know, me and you are huge Reds fans. Um, I'm blessed enough to where I have a family that work for the Cincinnati Reds organization. So uh, when we traded for Griffey, I was ecstatic. And then I found out I was going to get to go to spring training, which was in Sarasota, Florida at the time. And when I was there, um, I got to bat boy one of his first games. So I was totally juiced up about that. I couldn't watch the, couldn't wait to see Griffey play. So I'll set the scene here. I'm sitting um, kind of right there next to the dugout on the on-deck circle. Griffey is literally on deck getting ready to come to bat. And their cleanup hitter at the time, Dante Bichette, leans over to me and says, hey, Bat Boy, I forgot my helmet. Can you go and grab it? <laughs> and in spring training, the dugouts like aren't, or the clubhouses aren't below the dugouts. They're like beyond the outfield fence. So I had to take off running down the first baseline. And I was like kind of already panicked. And as I was running, I could like hear the heck. I was like, run, Bat Boy, run. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> So it, while this is happening, Griffey has, like, come to the plate. And I'm, like, going down the right, like, the right field line. And then I, like, slowly, like, creep into the field of play. And I don't even know, like, where the latch is on the fence. And Ken Griffey Jr. is literally batting live. I was like, if he gets one out here, like, this is going to be the worst <laughs> thing ever. Luckily, like, someone in the Reds bullpen was like, hey, it's right here, buddy. So got in got the helmet, ran back, and got heckled on the way back, which I had, like, forgotten on the way down there that I was heckled, but got Dante's helmet and all was good. But, yeah, pretty pretty uh, cool experience, but also dramatizing at the same time. That's fantastic. That that day, by the way, I still – like, we were freshmen in high school, and getting Griffey – and then beat, Syracuse had been undefeated and then had just lost, I think, the game before, and we beat him in Freedom Hall – like that was one of the best sports days of my youth. Like that was that was awesome. And then of course that Louisville team ended up losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and the Reds never really did anything with Griffey. But yeah, at yeah. the time, the day was great. That was a fantastic yeah. day. Oh yeah, that's that was like that was like the story of the 2000s. Like so much promise, and then just like fall on your face. Yeah, yeah. That was the uh, the Gonzaga game with the Rashad Brooks wedgie at the very end. That was <laughs> dude. Oh, never forget. I would love to see that on YouTube somewhere. Just, that was like the biggest like fuck you, you're out of the tournament moment I've ever seen. I have been very intoxicated and looked up the Rashad Brooks <laughs> on YouTube before. That's a, 
can, I can confirm that it's on the internet. Uh, you can see it with your own eyes if you want to. Um, we like to always encourage you guys to go subscribe to the pod. Um, give us a five-star rating if you feel like we deserve it and write a nice review or a mean review if you want to. It really helps out the podcast. Uh, we have 471 ratings right now, which is ridiculous. You guys are, uh, once again, the absolute best, and we really, really appreciate it. It blows our minds that people actually listen to this. But to try and encourage you to to write some reviews, we like to read some at the very end of the show. Um, CXF55 says, the title of his comment is just Dumpster Dan, and it says, word on the street is that he went to UK. This in and of itself is a Dan <laughs> in the Dumpster. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, it, it's true. I'm the I'm the Vince Tyra of podcasting, but I'm gonna need you to back me up here. I mean, I've had season tickets for U of L football and basketball since I was about seven years old, and I would commute back, you know, for pretty much every every game that I could. And I, I was not I'm not a guy that like you know was on the fence like I kind of like UK or you. I I despise everything UK. I never went to any of their games. I just happened to go to college there and graduate and had, a, you know, a little fun. But, um, yeah, totally bleed red through and through, obviously. First of all, we both started at Dayton. This neither, is true. Neither one of us made it. Um, yeah, did work you, out. Did you technically fail out? Was that, Or was it just kind of you, you chose to quit before you were fired? We'll just say I ended up at UK. <laughs> just <laughs> So neither one of us. So you didn't technically start your career at UK, which I think no, makes it yeah. a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was I was a Dayton Flyer for a year, and uh, yeah, it was it was a fun year. I can't confirm that on the Thursday of the Louisville West Virginia game in football, that huge number five versus number three, you wore your Mario Urudia black jersey like throughout the the campus at UK, and I was pretty impressed. Oh yeah, with you. yeah, no, I remember that vividly. It was uh definitely definitely got some eyeballs, and and that's it was. It was actually not bad going to UK then because that was like the Billy Gillespie years and they fucking sucked. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. So, um, yeah, I mean, I got a diploma from there, but but that's it. There you go. Um, Church Bell Balls says uh, comment titled Dumpster Dan 2020 and says one of my favorite podcasts, the addition of cutting off Dan every time he says go cards at the end of the podcast is the best. So. Are you aware that this is the thing that keeps happening? You, like, you always say go cards after I say like you know go cards and we're signing off. See you next time. And the one time that I waited for you to say it, you didn't say it. So it was like 15 <laughs> seconds of dead air. And now every time I think you're not going to say it, and I hit stop right as you start saying go cards. So it cuts into like an Anova culinary commercial right as you're doing your go cards thing. Have you? Yeah, I mean, I I told you before like. I hate my voice. Uh, apparently, uh, I talk slow. Um, so I, I kind of have anxiety. I don't like to go back and listen to the podcast. But when I read that, I was like, God damn it, Ron. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I'm used to calling you Ron. But uh, yeah, it's we can keep up the tradition. That's fine. Uh, last one. Louisville Chugger says, uh, followed Ruth Dick for a while. Appreciate it. Um, Listen to the pod from day one when he was still host on 790. Then he got fired. We all know the story. None of that really matters. It's a great listen if you are a L fan. These guys would be doing the exact same thing they are doing on the podcast, even if they didn't have a podcast. I had no clue who Dan was before I was a listener. Dan loves abbreviations. When I say love them, it's like an addiction. He calls <laughs> David Dave, Steve and Steve. 
it's like as soon as he a name passes five letters, he has to shorten it. I'm surprised he hasn't come up one with one for Jordan yet. But all in all, great listen, thumbs up, five star. Thank you. I'm just Doug. yeah, I'm just too lazy to pronounce two syllables. That's basically what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, all right, any parting thoughts? And then when I say my thing, I'm gonna let you say go cards. Um, yeah, no. Uh, let's uh, let's beat Georgia Tech. Uh, screw Josh Pastner. Don't let us lose to Josh Pastner. Let's not like. If the good vibes have to end, if the good times have to stop, if this winning streak has to come to an end, just don't let it be Josh Pastner who ends it. So go Cards, beat Georgia Tech. Go Cards.